0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're rejoicing here in the studio because Father Michael Kiernan is on the line. Ready to talk to us. Always a joy to have you as a guest on the Bishop's Hour Father. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Bob, and delighted to be with you and with your uh, listeners. And uh, hope you're all having a blessed day and look forward to our discussion and hopefully some good things to share with our
0: listeners. Yeah. Your name came up the other day when, uh, uh, what did Sacramento hit 142 or something? And uh, I was relating the story that uh, your. Uh, your first <laughs> first, oh yes, first, standing uh, in the parking lot, yeah. Yeah, first blush with the Diocese of Sacramento was in Reading.
1: <laughs> well, I had an experience the other day with that. I was up in Reading for the uh, funeral for Dr. Dave Gassman, Deacon Gassman, and uh uh it was one of those days as well. Uh, and so uh I it made me think back of uh, my years there in Saint Joseph's and uh course, the Mass was there with the bishop and all, so it was a hot day and uh, meeting a lot of the people that I had known back in 1973 when I was oh. scheduled, stationed there. So there's still a few around, uh, some in wheelchairs and one thing another, but uh, lots of good old friends, and it was um, great to go to the funeral for Dr. Gassman, but uh, also to meet his wife and family and all sorts of other people who... Um, were part of Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, which
0: mm-hmm, he mm-hmm.
1: founded or made basically and made happen over all these years as member and then chair of the board and so on. So um that was a an experience of heat and also relationships, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean somebody said that uh there was a time when, you know, the, the North Coast wasn't in the Diocese of Santa Rosa, that it was in the Diocese of Sacramento, and that would be a good first stop for for, for the priest from Ireland.
1: <laughs> yeah, go over there on the coast for
0: yeah.
1: a year or two or whatever and get, oh, even San Francisco itself, of course, uh, yeah. would have been uh, pretty good. Even Vallejo and all that, uh, you know, uh, well, of course, summer is summer anyway, but uh, Oh, then in the mountains too. Uh, well, certainly, you could get lots of cold weather in the, As I was in Modoc County many years ago, yes, uh, yeah, winters were cold, and actually, they said that if they got summer, they got it in August.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think many people realize how just how cold it can get in Modoc County. You may as well be in Wyoming or Montana.
1: Well, that's for sure, and also that you know one of the great things about the diet of Sacramento is that we probably have three or four different. Uh, Climates depending on where you're stationed. Oh,
0: absolutely. High country and yep.
1: Sacramento itself, and uh, even like Placerville and Auburn, and that is a different animal than even Tahoe and uh, you know, same but different sure. than talk about uh, Solana County and so on and uh, stuff, and even then Wairica and uh, Weaverville and all that stuff. There's quite a variety for priests, and uh, some actually suits them very well with their of it's allergies that you can live with uh, or don't have. Even in one part of the diocese, you'll have them trouble in another part. Yeah, we
0: go all the way to the Bay and Vallejo and Benicia, and uh, you know, there's salt water there and uh, yes. uh, uh, and, and the sea breezes and etc. Uh, not quite as chilly as San Francisco, but it's certainly part of the Bay Area. And uh, and the, the the one I think intriguing area is. Uh, the eastern side of the Sierra, uh, Modoc County, and uh, th- that which is really uh, yeah, high and dry and cold. Area, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a different area, and not not too many people have been there, and not uh, and very few people live there. Yeah.
1: Well, that's true, and like for vacation stuff like that, of course, uh, uh, I'm not getting paid to promote <laughs> Shasta County, but <laughs> Shasta Lake and so on, and then not to mention Chester and. Uh, Almanor in that area, yeah, Lake you know, Almanor is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's a different world altogether, and and so uh, there's many uh, options and opportunities there for people to uh, and, and
0: you know Mount Lassen is a great volcano, a great one of the Cascades, and yet uh, it's it's one that you don't have to be an experienced mountaineer to hike to the top of it.
1: True, and of course Mount Shasta itself, and uh, which is just Castle uh, Craigs and all that sort of stuff. Castle Craigs
0: is a pretty, I used to pretty enjoy
1: that when I was a young fellow in Reading. It's pretty fair. We used to, a bunch of young people and myself would go up there once in a while, and it was exciting. Yeah,
0: did you get to the top of Castle Craigs? I did, yes.
1: yeah, well, I right? in, so. yeah, yeah, it's pretty spectacular.
0: Oh man, I've always thought that, uh, uh yeah yeah maybe by helicopter we could do it yes. but but uh, I've always thought that a, a beautiful brochure, in fact, I have a daughter who's a design major at u c Davis, and she's working on it. a beautiful maybe a billboard for the for the office of vocations would be a picture of Mount Shasta in all its majesty, and that well, I think would, we have
1: something there like that men to match my mountains Give me
0: men to match my mountains, yeah.
1: Yeah, so maybe that needs to be upgraded. It's a long time ago now since we have that and different faces and different uh, yeah, that would be something to talk to Father Memo about. So uh when neither of us talk to him again. I see him all the time here at uh, he lives at the cathedral with me, so uh, I must uh, see if he can uh, hustle up a few men to match the mountain.
0: That yeah, it's 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 a, just a beautiful concept. And uh-huh. We have, we have some Pretty spectacular mountains. That Mount Shasta is one of the 14s, which there aren't too many of. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, Father, a, a lot of events coming up, and a lot of events have already transpired, and I don't think I've ever been to an event where you are not present. Do you have a favorite event in the Diocese of Sacramento?
1: Well, I do go to a great deal of the charity dinners and the ecumenical interfaith dinners and events and stuff like that. So it's hard to uh, pick one out, but certainly uh, one of the great events of the year is um, the uh, St. Vincent de Paul uh, event. the the Uh,
0: dinner for the poor.
1: And then we have this week, we have the uh, the Family Promise Dinner, uh, which is always held down at St. Anthony's, and that's always an exciting uh, event, too. Uh, The the food is always interesting and how to do things, but mostly the make up of the groups, Unfortunately, we've been sort of not doing that much for the last two or three years. But now there's a a nice uh, situation uh, where we're going back to it a bit. And actually, I think in a couple of weeks' time, I have the uh, the large Habitat for Humanity dinner uh, coming up. I think that's at the end of the month, towards the end of the month here. So uh, those are all wonderful events, and uh, you know the good that's been done in uh, in in those situations. Of course, the the Life Center dinner is always uh, in a great setting. Uh, right. And this particular year coming up, uh, November 5, we'll have the 50th anniversary of that. And uh, so uh, and one then, of the great things is the variety of people. Uh, yeah, the nice thing is that, you know, some people are into this and some people are into that and some right. people are into something else. You can't do everything. And it's just wonderful to see the different... Uh, uh, you know, the generosity of people in the areas that they're committed to.
0: Yeah, I'm very fond of the Bishop Gagos dinner.
1: Oh, yes, that's coming up pretty soon, too. And
0: uh,
1: I know I'll get to that at the last minute because I know I have an evening (laughs) mass. Uh, I have the Spanish mass of the cathedral that evening. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's always on a Sunday
0: evening. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I'll hustle over for that uh, just to uh, uh, probably just around the time that Yawning is getting up to tell all those jokes.
0: That's right. <laughs> and
1: so, again, for that, I don't mind about the meals as long as I get in for the jokes. If you I'll try, be if you that. try
0: to slip in a little bit late, you will be duly recognized by the MC. <laughs>
1: well, that's true. When I could squeeze in through the back door or some of that, you know, and hide behind some of those bigger people than me. <laughs> we'll see what to do. Yeah, but. I'm sure the eagle eye will
0: be out, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, you know, another one that I really enjoy is the vocations dinner. And yes. and I think w- one of the great things about that is they move it around. They don't have it this, uh, the, the, the same spot. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember uh, going up to the vocations dinner when they had it at St. Patrick's in Placerville. And, and uh, one of my teenage daughters came with me, and uh, we looked it up, and they had, a, they had the Saturday vigil mass at 4 p.m. And, mm-hmm. and the dinner didn't start till 530, something like that. And the, wow. the uh, I think that's as early as you can have a vigil mass, I think, is 4 mm-hmm. p.m. Mm-hmm. And I said well, let's go up. Let's go up. And uh, Placerville is a very interesting place. And the church is kind of up a hill a little bit and parking lots over here. And the church is down the hill. And and we go in and mass starts. And it's a beautiful mass, of course, and uh, about 430 we start, we start seeing smoke in the church. And I thought, and this is, this is a little bit scary. Where does this smoke come It wasn't incense. And it, and then it finally wafted back to where we were sitting, and it smelled pretty good. Uh-huh. And, and we're like, hmm. And it and got smoke here and smoke here. And what happened, it was in June, and it was a warm day, They'd opened one of the side doors, and there's kind of a an alley, a breezeway between the hall and the church. Mm-hmm. And the Knights of Columbus were yet. out there cooking tri-tip for the dinner, mm-hmm. and the smoke was <laughs> coming in the church.
1: I thought it was you were going to say that they were trying to smoke you out of the church into the into the
0: building. <laughs> into the building, yeah. Well, I think they. <laughs> I I think sure they
1: came to dinner.
0: Yeah, I think they got some extra business that night for sure. Yes. People yeah, left the and said, "We're over there." Oh my gosh! Yeah,
1: that's great.
0: Well, so much happening. Uh, one, one thing I really wanted to ask you about is the, the Eucharistic revival. Um, such a uh, such an interesting concept, I guess, um, and and the sort of the the bishops' feeling, all the bishops uh, that. It is necessary to have this Eucharistic revival to really uh, put some more emphasis on our the source and summit of our faith.
1: Indeed, and actually, Bishop is putting on a presentation for priests with uh, pretty soon with a um, Father Paul Turner, who is uh, an expert uh, on liturgy a priest, and a, uh, uh, I think he's the pastor, the rector at the cathedral. Maybe, but well, certainly one big in a big parish in Kansas. City of, in the Diocese of Kansas, mm-hmm. diocese of Kansas. And then he's, uh, there's the study days, which you always have in uh, early October, uh, which is four days, full days, really, of study on some topic that the bishop chooses. And this particular one is going to be uh, precisely on uh, the Eucharistic revival And, uh, you know, there's been a good bit done already, and uh, bit by bit. Uh, so this is another step forward. And in a way, that's only... Uh, heating up the process in that uh, uh, I think it's in 24 that uh, the uh, grand finale is mm-hmm. uh, in, in Indianapolis uh, with uh, the gathering of uh, all sorts of people from all over the country. But, of course, uh, like everything else, uh, big, the big gatherings like that are great, and they get some attention, but uh, the important thing is to get it going at the, uh, the local level and um, – I think who, I saw where um, Bishop of Reno put out some document there on explaining the Mass, uh, and I think there's something there might be something like that going on in, in um, our own diocese too. You know, the Eucharist is, uh, obviously the emphasis has to be put on the real presence of Jesus and so on, but uh, I think sometimes we can... Uh, Uh, Not pay enough attention to the whole uh, Eucharist in the sense that, you know, from the minute you walk into church and bless yourself with the holy water, and if the Blessed Sacrament is present in church, which it probably is in most of our churches now, but if it's there, you know, your genuflection. And then once the Mass starts, you know, you just, uh, uh, in a way, it's like a baseball game where everything uh, has its purpose and it's. Mm it's reason, and you're not just, uh, you know, throwing the ball all the time, you're not just hitting the ball all the time, but there's an awful of other uh, movements that go on in the total uh, baseball game and uh, catching and all these other things, and so if you look at the, uh, the masses, you know, blessing yourself and then confessing sin and then sitting down to listen to God's word, and and that I think is, I don't know whether that's as well done as as maybe it should be uh, or could be uh, at two levels. One is the proclamation of the word, the reading of it. Uh, you know, if it's not well read, uh, then it's hard for the congregation. If the microphones are not good, that's a difficulty. And also, the, uh, uh, you know, personally, I hope won't gets in trouble for saying this, but, you know, if people, uh, people sometimes complain about the homilies, that they're not that good or whatever it is, but uh, I really one would hope it would be, but, but I think if you went to church every Sunday and listened to the Word of God with your ear cocked, and preferably if you studied it nowadays, it was easy to do with online stuff and so on. So if you were to sit down between now and Sunday and look at the readings for this coming Sunday and uh, you know, get some commentaries on them and various other, so a million and one things uh, that are available, um, and of course, everybody can listen now to uh, Bishop Baron's. Uh, right, he has right. a homily every Sunday, and so whatever you're going to get at the local church, good or not so good, well, you certainly get a good one with Bishop uh, Baron. And then there must be a hundred other places that you can get wonderful Catholic uh, uh, homilies, really, uh, from other priests and bishops and so on. So, but apart from that, if you just listen to the Word of God with great intent and the Psalm, you know that. Uh, the person could really take it in and whatever the especially the responses you know that we all give and then the gospel and and um, it's surprising still i think how many uh, people uh, often say to me that they don't know what they're doing at mass
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know well i know why i stand at a certain time or I sit at a certain time but actually it's like a baseball game it's nothing is just done for the fun of it nothing is just done by accident, there's there's a reason why, you know, uh, certain people have certain positions, for instance, in a baseball game, and certain others don't, you know, and so on, and and then uh, so the same with the re- with the readings there, and and um, the even the little thing that we do, you know, after the uh, uh, beginning of the gospel, you know, where the priest says the Lord be with you, and mm-hmm. uh, and then we just do the sign of the cross on our forehead, right, on our mouth, and over our heart. Again, exactly. if people were doing that with real, you know, meaning, yeah, I mean that's a big deal. That you're saying that you know you want this word that's going to be read now in a minute. I want this to win in my mind. Right. I want this to be on my lips, uh, so I can hear it good, so I can actually talk about it. And then I want it to be in my heart. So, so all that I mean that's part of the whole mass. And then of course going on to the Eucharistic prayer and and uh, receiving the um, Holy Eucharist, and uh, St. Justin uh, says, you know, that uh, become what you are, become what you, this renewal that takes place of, it is of Jesus, you know, uh, sometimes we think of Jesus coming into our soul, which is true, of course, but also that he's taking possession of our lives uh, and that we become part of, of him uh, in that reception. But again, that's sort of something that maybe people, we don't do a good job in explaining uh, so it's, I mean, the Eucharist is obviously the complete fullness of, uh, of our whole faith, and, uh, sometimes, uh, I know priests, uh, we don't do it maybe as often as we could, but if we don't, maybe people in the pew, especially if you have Magnificat or any other booklet, uh, and I would encourage listeners now uh, to any of the books that they have to at home, uh, Read uh, the preface and actual Eucharistic Prayer Number Four, and if you read the Number Four with uh, the preface and the actual Eucharistic Prayer itself, it's the longest of the four uh, that we have available. Uh, but it is a, a total history of salvation from A to Z in three pages. Mm. Uh, you know, if you and so when I know when people when priests read the Eucharistic Prayer slowly and carefully, and people are again, hanging on every word, which is sort of a little bit difficult to do because you're almost inclined to I heard all that in the Mass a thousand times. and But again, every action in the, in the Mass, you know, the priest putting out his hands over the bread and wine for the blessing and then the elevation and all that. I think if people were all into it like they would be um, at a baseball game, uh, you know, uh, I know people, friends of mine, uh, I'm not very good at baseball myself. I don't know much about it too much, or uh, football for that matter, but I know uh, my good friend Deacon Mike Evans up north, when he's watching a football game, I mean, he's playing the game, mm-hmm. and he imagines, you know, he's, he, oh no, we'll do this, we'll do that, yep. oh my gosh, and yep. he knows, like, you know, what should be done, and then he knows what should not be done, and he knows what was done wrong, and who who missed up, and so on. <laughs> so I think if people were doing the same with the, uh, with the Eucharist, uh, Again, I might get maybe in trouble for this, but uh, uh, there was an article in American Magazine uh, recently, uh, you might look it up sometime, is, uh, are lay people somewhat at fault for the poor homilies we give? Hmm. And the reasoning is that, you know, uh, I'm sure you would be delighted if somebody called you in and talked to you about your show and told you that you're doing great. Mm, Sure. You'd also be glad if they called in and said, you know, Bob, we can't hear you, right? Right. Or this is that, or right. you know, you never deal with this subject. You're all the time talking about such and such, but you never talk about this, and this, and this, and this, and this. So the point they were making was that maybe people need to give feedback to their uh, priests and say, you know, well, sure, you talk about, you know, you're very good at this and very good, but you're uh, you do not ever talk about such and such and stuff like that. Or on the other hand, you know that. Maybe it wouldn't be all that easy for us priests to hear, but if they told us, you know, you really don't speak into the microphone very well. We can't (laughs) hear you. Or you have a tendency to be long and then you rush the rest of the mass and the Eucharistic prayer goes zip by in a second and maybe you know So things like that I think again like if anybody tells you gives you feedback on something you're doing, they're your friend.
0: Yeah, supposedly, but I tell you, criticism is hard to take, and yeah, and and it's, I it's have to be done a certain way. Yeah, it's it's hard to give too. I mean, and and uh, even as a parent with a child, um, you, you you're careful that it's not taken as criticism as as much as it is as as love, you know. And and it's 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 hard sometimes, you know. Your fifth grader brings you this essay that but that hasn't been turned in that they're pretty proud of and you start to read it and you see some holes in it, you know, and, or words misspelled or whatever it is. And you have to f- figure out a way to help them see, see the light <laughs> without turning the light completely off, you know?
1: Well, that's always a challenge. I almost remember I had a, a great doctor who was on a pastoral council up North years ago and, uh, he said, you know, that if you have the people on a council, and I think you would apply the same to anything else, that are consistently agreeing with you or that are telling you everything is hunky-dory, then you probably have a pretty weak council, and you're yeah. probably not going to get a lot done. Now, it is true that some people, you know, will, uh, for whatever reasons personality or whatever, they they would complain, you know, if you set up at such time of day. But, um, but, that's, uh, but generally speaking, uh, I don't know if you've heard that, um, I, I read somewhere where, when you get up for public speaking, so you can keep this in mind that you're Bishop Gallegos, you know <laughs> <laughs> that 95% of the congregation wants you to succeed and yeah. are actually very sad and don't know what to do with themselves when the speaker
0: is not doing well. Yeah, they're, they're rooting for you. They're yeah. They're not coming in looking for you to fail or hoping you're gonna fail so they can criticize you.
1: Yeah. I think the same is true then in regard to priests and masses and everything we do for people, anyway, my experience has been over all these years is that people who are enormously kind and but again that wouldn't forestall, you know, uh, in fact some places like uh, they have little suggestion boxes in churches where you could put in, you know, that you like to uh, mm-hmm. have uh, such a thing talked about, you know, uh, uh, pieces of the cross, or you know, the rosary, or uh, you know, uh, confessions, or whatever it might be, but uh, then uh, things like that, and then one could take those, you know, and again, maybe um, so uh, if goodwill is there, and care, and so on, but yeah, criticism has to be handled well, but of course, if one is doing things from a Christian point of view and from a, a spiritual point of view, then obviously one will do it with great care and uh, compassion and uh, not to be disturbing the person. But in order to make the product better, I mean, it's interesting when you go on uh, any of these things I go on, uh, when I call banks or other entities, they almost want me to take a survey at the end.
0: Uh-huh, they do uh, that's sometimes right they
1: send back a thing uh, in the mail i think i got email send us to your last uh, transaction with uh, you called such a thing last week about uh, how does that go and they give you a big long list of <laughs> <I know. laughs> the person who um, and again of course maybe that's uh, a bit impersonal but but the point is that they they want to improve themselves and um, yeah uh, so uh, i mean if somebody did call you in, for instance who was an expert in the field and told you a few things about your show, that guy's doing you
0: good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd listen. A- absolutely. Yeah. And you, you'd be smart to listen. I think one, yeah. of, one of the problems with people in authority, especially uh, right up to the President of the United States, uh, they frequently surround themselves with what the familiar term is yes men or mm-hmm. yes people. You know, and they're maybe they're intimidated by the boss, maybe whatever, or they think they're going to ingratiate themselves to the boss by, oh, that's a great idea, boss, that's a great idea, um, to, and they don't, they never hear the criticism because nobody wants to criticize; <laughs> they're afraid they're going to get fired.
1: Well, I think it was uh, old George Bush who said that when he was president, he could say nothing or almost nothing or something ridiculous and everybody laughed their head off.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And then when he got out of being president, he could tell the funniest story since shalino and people would <laughs> look at him as if he was crazy. And he said he couldn't lose a, a golf game when he was president yep. and he couldn't get anybody to play with him <laughs> when he was
0: out of it. Oh, that's great. So
1: that's, uh, that's part of it uh, as well, but Lots going on. We have this uh, wonderful study days coming up with the priest, so the Eucharist will be really covered. In, and those are very good uh, presentations, whereby uh, you know the the bishop brings in presenters, and then he himself is always there. And there's lots of Q&A and uh, different opinions and uh, different viewpoints. And also priests have different you know different places in their lives and their age and their cultures and their experience of you know, being a priest for two years or 52 years, as the case might be. So it's just a wonderful gathering, and it's a wonderful fellowship as well, and uh, it's just a beautiful time to... And, of course, the Eucharist, when it's celebrated there, it's, well, it's celebrated with all priests, really, and the bishop, uh, and so it's uh, those days are, are rich with um, spiritual awareness and camaraderie and communication and... Uh, Jokes and good meals and just sharing and getting to see how fellows are doing around the power flung dioceses we had. So that's a wonderful event,
0: yeah. Yeah, and you know the 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 Eucharistic revival. It's it's to me, it's it's not like people who don't believe in the real presence are are rejecting church teaching, uh, maybe the way they would on uh, birth control or or. Abortion, even, or you did that. They, they, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's, it's just they, you can't, you can't lie to yourself about what you believe, you know, Mm -hmm. you can lie to a pollster, but you can't lie to yourself. And, and you, they just, for whatever, and, and those of us who do believe, it's by the grace of God, it's not some great thing we did to earn that belief. It's, it's grace.
1: Well, that's true, but I think one of the hopes for the, um, uh, the Bible revival is that, um, uh, it, it can help people to a deeper awareness and mm-hmm. to a deeper knowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like if you go to some workshop on in your field, you know, of the media, and you realize, my gosh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. That, right. You know, I haven't been at one of these for couple years now, and one can do this, and this, and this, and uh, so on, so on, and you come back uh, full of ideas, um, and uh, realizing, even in a deeper way, uh, what you're doing, so I think that's one of the problems, maybe not too too critical, but certainly, you know, over the years, uh, a lot of our people, either they weren't well-trained, or they didn't avail of it, or whatever it might be, but regardless uh, what the situation is, uh, you know, maybe, uh, one didn't really understand uh, what was being taught in catechism or even when you went through RCIA or whatever it might be, a person might have got some of it. But so hopefully this will be an opportunity to uh, to know. I mean, uh, again, it's like taking the example of uh, baseball. Uh, if you or I don't know much about it, if we want to play it, you'll have to, Take some lessons with it, and they'll yeah. be telling you, you know, this is what you do, and that's what you do, and you can't do this, and this rule says this, and this rule says that. And if you don't listen to those rules, then you're going to not play the game well. So I think it's important for our people to use this time, and the bishops, uh, priests, for to uh, provide uh, things. Uh, and I pray also for our people that, you know, we would be, uh, I mean, sometimes I think we, we don't want to think that the religion is this hard big difficult thing that only a few people can get. But on the other hand, it, it's you know, it's, it's not that simple either. And so it's like, again, going back to your the media example, if you want to grow in your uh, field, you have to keep learning and you have right. to know the, the basics of why this is happening and so on and so on. And I think our people need to, uh, uh, you know, put in a bit of work into it. And if there's workshops put on or... Talks given or whatever, then uh, maybe come out to the presentations, and when you go, like be all ears and uh, really taking it in. And of course, also there's all sorts of wonderful aids that you could get uh, now and online. You know, and, and uh, Father Barron from Bishop Barron is one, but he's only. What's uh, that? Father Mike now has uh, stuff on and. I mean, you could go on for all day about the uh, different websites that have uh, tremendous uh, opportunities for education. So you could educate yourself on every aspect of the Eucharist, from transubstantiation to you know why do we kneel, why do we you know this, why does the priest uh, break uh, the the bread, you know, break uh, the body of Christ, uh, you know the fraction, right, as we call it. Uh, and again, that uh, the, the mass, and I, I don't know if our people have really been helped to understand it. It's like an opera; it, it has a beginning, and a whole purpose through it, and an end. And of course, its the end is to send you out as a missionary. Uh, you know, the old Latin "Eadem go, go. The mass is the mission is. So, uh, but again, if if you if, if you could see that flowing from the very beginning, you come in and bless yourself until the time you walk out and that every piece of it you know, has a meaning and a beautiful meaning of that, uh, then uh, you wouldn't get bored. And, of course, if also people listen carefully to the readings, they'll find that it would take you three years to have the reading
0: repeated. Right. And yeah, I think, I think you, you hit it exactly on the head that every, every part of that Mass is intentional, uh-huh. It, it is, nobody's just kind of making. Oh well, this parish they do this and that parish they do that. Uh, no, it's it's very intentional, um, and and as a result, meaningful. Uh, you know, I mean, uh-huh. it's, the, the the intention is that this is meaningful and and important. And I think I think maybe I look I look back at my own. I was a cradle Catholic and went to catechism class on Saturday mornings and. Sometimes took my transistor radio and listened to Notre Dame football game. But, um, you know, but but I think part of it as a child, the Eucharist was so common Mm -hmm. that uh, even though we believed it was the body and blood of Christ, it was it wasn't like a once a year we celebrate a birthday or once a year we have Christmas or once a year we have Easter. We we could have the Eucharist every day. Mm-hmm. And that makes it in our experience very special but to some people it makes it ordinary. You know? And and I well, think, I think and it, then, Yeah.
1: And then to really take in the meaning of it, I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, you think it could be taken as ordinary or just but if that was the case then we're missing a a huge uh, exactly chunk of, of uh, what it's all about
0: Of what it's all not about exactly it's not just another it, but, yeah it's not yeah. just another act
1: yeah what, what is it and actually then what is it doing for you and the fact that you know you're a different person today than you were yesterday right and you'll be a different person tomorrow and then you come to mass and receiving the eucharist with uh who you are today? Let's maybe uh, you know. Yesterday, last Saturday, you were at a wedding for your daughter. Well, Sunday mass was a whole different thing. But yesterday, you, your mother died, and now you're at mass today. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing than it was three days ago because right. you were celebrating up on top of the world then, and now you're on the bottom of the world. Uh, and so of what is Jesus doing with you, and how can you receiving in the Lord uh, affect you? And and it's meant to be actually an interaction. It's not just that Jesus comes. Uh, and just comes to us, and then, well, bye. That's good now. <laughs> right, right, we, exactly. What is it meant it's, to do to transform you into Jesus Himself?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not a uh, isolated act that just ends.
1: Yeah. To do, and then for us ourselves to be, you know, the, the goal is to become Christ. To be, as the word says, divinized. You know, to. Mm-hmm to put on Christ? As St. Paul says, so that I live not now I, but Christ lives in me, and uh, I live in Him. And I think that's something that uh, you know. Again, uh, sometimes we haven't explained very well to our that that's the centre of our faith. That it's the, the rules and regulations of being a good person and all that, and not saying cuss words and doing bad things. Those are all important, but the important thing is that you know it's uh, you're transformed. It's it's like um, I mean, I, I think marriage is a good example for many things. But when uh, you got married, uh, you know, you, you were yourself, and then your wife was herself. But now you have this new creation in the sense of who you are, as in the sacrament of marriage and the unity that you have. And so you're, you're a different person. You're a married guy. You're, a, you're in this relationship. You know, love. You love somebody. They love you, and so on. And it's a commitment. And it's a beautiful blessing in your life and whatever else is going on in your life, you got that. Well, even multiply that a thousand times by, uh, our faith that, uh, you know, you're in Jesus and Jesus in you and receive the Holy Communion, then you've got, um, something that, you know, it's just beyond price.
0: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, I, I'm, uh, my, my prayers are for a great success of this Eucharistic revival. Um, I think it's I think it's something that's it's necessary in the church, uh, and I think it will bear great fruit.
1: Well, and of course it has to be tied in with the whole question of evangelization mm-hmm. and so on, uh, because uh, hopefully it will be, and maybe, I don't know if that'll tie in with the synod and so on in the sense that right. the synod also provides an opportunity for questioning and talking and sharing and so on, and maybe... The Holy Spirit um, leading us. Uh, you know, different people learn different ways, and different people are struck with different things, and what might work well for you won't work for me, and vice versa. So I think if we, you know, trust in the in the Lord, and and everybody is. Uh, but of course, again, uh, you know, as they say, what mass, what you put into it is what you get out of it. And if you go to mass next Sunday, and uh, you know, you are just. Well, as uh, some do, uh, following up on their phone <laughs> instead of being there. Yeah. Or you're uh, there just because of obligation, or you're there because you know, you're sort of half asleep and half awake, or you're very really not interested in, you know, you're not really taking it in. You're just, you're there and you're going to, you know, give an hour to God type thing. and going to receive Holy Communion, then you're out of there. Yeah, and you, you, pun- you punched a- your
0: ticket, so to speak, you know, but you, yeah. yeah, you didn't really take it into your heart.
1: Yeah, and that I think is, is, so it's like, you know, the difference between, you know, if you and I are just together going from here to San Francisco tomorrow driving, well, we're sort of in the car together and so on and so on, but maybe I don't have much Connection with you, and maybe I'm off my phone while you're driving, and you know, maybe so on. So, it's not really establishing a relationship in any deep way. You just happen to be on the same trip to San Francisco, but uh, same with the Eucharist. I mean, you have to be, like I say, listen to the Word of God, uh, uh, the singing. You know, again, maybe you can't sing because you're not that great a singer, but I think if people could enjoy it, then you know, just to get the, the lyrics and so on and think of these beautiful words that have been said, you know, and hopefully that would be, uh, that's your prayer, even if you can't sing. Now, if you can sing, well, join in the best you can, and uh, even if you're not a great singer, God loves a cheerful voice, and and uh, he'll take a little bit of drummer boy <laughs> thing for many <laughs> of us, and uh, if we're not uh, the best, uh, he'll be pleased with our effort, yeah. So, And then we're part of the community, and... I think that's a beautiful part, also, is to be part of the, of a community of faith, a community of faith. Uh, God's people together in this holy house, uh, doing these holy things, uh, singing songs of praise to God, and being with brothers and sisters, and listening to God's word, and praying for the different intentions and the prayers of the faith.
0: there's something very special about going to Mass with other people. You know, I mean, and you obviously you can go to Mass with very few people, but there's something very, very special about praying together and, and singing together and worshiping together that um, is, it, it it transforms your heart.
1: And I don't know if it strikes our people, but and you know, it's easy to become rote and stuff like that, but, you know, when you get up there and say, I confess to Almighty God that I have sinned mm-hmm. to you, my brothers and sisters, to my fault, through my fault, to my most grievous fault, well, unless you're not paying attention, or unless you're not sincere, I mean, that's, that's weird stuff to be saying.
0: <laughs> I was going to say. You know,
1: I uh, mean, you're you're admitting, and you know, whether it's the bishop admitting, or judges that they're in church admitting, or doctors, or whoever it might be, you know, all these people, 100 people, 300 people, whatever it is, in the cathedral, maybe 700 or 800 people, and they're all saying at the same time, admitting. Admit. I'm admitting up there as priests. You're admitting in the congregation. Bob Dunning, sinner. <laughs> yeah. My Kieran, sinner. Bishop Soto, <laughs> sinner. You know, and everybody, I mean, if we, I think if we really took that, it would help our spiritual life to then to say, well, well, you know, I'm here with a group of people who are sinners. It doesn't mean they were terrible people. It doesn't mean it means we're actually able to get God's forgiveness because it's there. And then, you know, going up to communion and you're receiving the body of Christ. I'm receiving the body of Christ. And they should be receiving the body of Christ. So we're all in this one communion of not just with Jesus, but you got the same Jesus as I did. Okay. And you, somebody else, your wife, got the same Jesus as you did. And so in that sense, that's a community-forming thing as well. Yeah. So yeah, all sorts of aspects. The Eucharist—I think you could write about it and talk about it for the rest of your life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you wouldn't—you uh, wouldn't be able to exhaust all the meanings and beauty of it. Uh, so that's the the work that the bishops have in front of them.
0: Yeah, and you know the the, and it will remain for many of us a mystery. Um, like why why did Jesus pick this? Why? Why you know? Take this. This is my body. Take this. This is my blood. Why? Why that? Why? Why was that his his message? Why was that his method? Um, t- to me, that will probably always remain a mystery. But it doesn't keep me from believing it. Well, it's
1: true. And but also one of the things is that you know, our faith. Sometimes I think in our Catholic faith we make it too complicated. And maybe the reason he took the bread and the wine, was that bread and wine were just ordinary staples of people, Mm -hmm. just like we have bread and coffee today. Right. You know, people had bread. And and so when you think of it like that, it's around a meal, which you do all the time. And, I mean, if you want to have something special for Thanksgiving, you invite your friends for a meal, and you sit around the meal, and that sort of becomes the focal point. So Jesus says, I'm going to be the meal myself. I'm going to come and uh, all of you will be with me and you'll be fed with my body and blood and you'll be in fellowship and communion and so on and so on. And, uh, I mean, again, actually, if people just um, talk it through a little bit, the Mass is more difficult difficult than learning the rules of baseball. I mean, everything in it is fairly simple. You know, as I said, the confession, any of us can do that. The readings, now well, they're a bit difficult, but on the other end, you get something out of them, and then the homily and so on, and all the different things, the gestures of kneeling, handshakes, or whatever it is, and then receiving uh, the, the, you know, and as regards the miracle side of it, well, the Eucharist is no big miracle if you figure that God is doing it, because God can do anything, and yeah, He made the yeah, world, and, yeah. you know, He can make the sun turn upside down if He wants to tomorrow. And uh, when you're God, you can do what you like. <laughs> so uh, in a sense, then it's, it's a miracle because we couldn't do it. But God himself has, has chosen that, uh, you know, as we see in the scriptures, that he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave it to his disciples and so on. And then uh, uh, so, but I think we have to just avert to it and think it through and uh, also be I think Pope John Paul used to say towards the end of his life that he was being converted, hmm. and I think that's an important thing that you know popes and bishops and others have said that you're always being converted, and sure. it doesn't matter whether you're uh, 20 years old or 70 years old. Uh, you know, hopefully, I'm sure you're learning some things in your marriage now with your wife and vice sure. versa, and your relationship and your children and so on. So you're, you're different now, and you've learned a lot that you didn't know maybe six months ago or two years ago or five years ago, and you'll learn a lot more in the next two or three years or ten years or whatever it is. And so I think if we do that with uh, the faith and to see it as this growing time, conversion time, just like in other relationships, and if you're great friends with somebody, you now have a much different relationship with them than you did 20 years ago because this thing and that thing and the other thing has led you, and you've matured in that relationship uh, And so I think if we do the same with the faith, uh, and then you're older or you're young, you have health issues, you have different things coming up. So we're different people all the time, and I think we just have to be working with Jesus in the circumstance of our lives uh, when we're young or middle-aged or old or sickly or blind or whatever else people might be, that God is then working in that form of life, but you or me. I think that's important, yeah.
0: Yeah, amen. You're so right that... uh... God can do anything. So, you know, we, we view these things as miraculous, and, uh, uh, in, in, but in God's plan, he can, he, can, he can do whatever whatever he wishes. It, it is, um, you know, when, when I have talked to people about their conversion stories, the one thing that really comes up more frequently than anything else is the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you hear that a lot.
1: Oh, I remember years ago I had a fellow in some discussion in RCIA class, and again, this is important because, like we're talking at the beginning of our discussion here, some people were presenting it as, well, you know, it's a presence of Jesus, but it's um, uh, sort of I don't know, I don't know, it's sort of real. Well, it's sort of so Well, this guy who was uh, he was actually you know, an old retired. Uh, uh, principal from this from one of the southern states, he was in the class and he just got irritated and he said, well, that's not what I thought it was. He said, that's not why I'm here. He said, I thought that it was supposed to be that the bread and wine was changed into the body and blood of Christ. Now, am I wrong or am I right? What's going on? I like that. <laughs> so anyway, that took care of that. <laughs> but I think, so it was a great uh, lesson for the class and of course there's a Sort of uh, Flannery color you know, also a little bit colourful sometimes in the way she put things. But she was in some discussion with, I as mean, it happened, a Catholic person, and uh, on a show or something, and it came up about the Eucharist. And the other person said, uh, you know, that it was Eucharist was this great symbol. And, and Johnny O'Connor said, well, what do you mean symbol? I mean, is it? It's not real thing, and so on, and so on, and she said, no, it's symbol, and so on, you know, said, well, if it's not a real thing, and if Jesus is not present, then that's all it is, hell how is it? Yeah. <laughs> so, not a very good way to put it, in some ways, but that was her style, but she was making the point, you know, that she wanted uh, as a real uh, presence. Though I do think we need to do a little bit of explaining, also, is that sometimes, you know, the word symbol, can mean a lot of different things to different people. And sometimes in an interview and stuff like that, people can get it mixed up. And, uh, you know, so we just uh, have to assume the good and keep educating people. And if that's what they say, don't automatically uh, rule them as just being an ignoramus or an unbeliever, like you say, that we help to educate and so on. And if that is your understanding of it, well, you've come so far. But maybe we need to be brought another distance and say, okay, well, that's the way you understand it. Uh, Can I help you maybe to a little deeper understanding of it? And then you say, okay, well, tell me more. Because I've had a hard time with it. Uh, I, I thought I had it right here with this simple idea. But you're telling me that it's more than that? Yeah, I'm telling you most more than that. Well, good, keep telling me because I need to know. Now, if the person is in that frame of mind and open, then they can move from
0: skepticism
1: mm-hmm. or being off
0: a little bit to the real thing. Yeah, I mean, if if I can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus was conceived uh, as he was, I, it's not a much of a stretch of the imagination to think that the Eucharist could be the body and blood of Christ.
1: Well, indeed, and You know, as we see in these great days of summer, you know, it's easy to see how the ancient peoples worshiped the sun. Mm -hmm. Because when you think of the sun, it's an amazing thing. I mean, it's it's, uh, just constantly exploding and becoming and becoming and becoming and firing off all this that keeps everything going. So if somebody was able to make that, God, obviously, then that was a pretty big day's work. (laughs) <laughs> Not to mention the stars and uh, galaxies and all these other yeah. things. So you would figure that if God can do all that, then this transformation, transubstantiation, changing mm-hmm. bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, uh, that's one of an easy day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> no, exactly. It's, it's like we, we credit God with all these things, and then we say, well, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't see how could, how, could that, how could that become the body and blood of Christ? How could that be? uh it, it's it's counterintuitive you know yeah i mean yeah god can do all these these wondrous things that none of us could even think of doing uh i mean we we you, you and i they could give us a, a billion years and i don't think we could create a son, father yes. I, I, yes. I don't think yes. we'd be able to be. do it
1: <laughs> well um, it's a great thing and please god it'll be a great success and we'll pray for it and yes. anything you can do on your um Our bishop's hour would be great, and if I hear of any particular, you know, insightful things, I'm sure you have the bishop on 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 a regular basis, too, and he updates you on where they're going with it, and I'm sure he'll be putting out some stuff, and maybe, I don't know, I think there's a committee now for, there is a committee, actually, for the Eucharistic Revival. They're going to be giving a presentation at the priest gathering at these study days I was talking about, and so maybe you can find out from Uli or someone uh, who's the chair of that, or whatever it is. Oh, very good. And then maybe after that study days in early October, maybe they'll have a better picture after talking to all the... Because I think they have to explain what the game plan is. And so by doing that, one also learns. And so they may be in a position then to say, uh, maybe at that particular time, maybe that's when the bishop is going to outline his grand plan for the next year or two or whatever it is. But we'll know more. But you can talk to somebody over there about... Um, that committee that he has set up, uh, which I think is several people, maybe eight or ten people or more.
0: Very good, and I will look for your forthcoming book, uh, Mass as Baseball.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you never know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Father Michael Kiernan, it is always a joy to talk with you. Thanks so much for for spending uh, the hour with us, and we'll look forward to our paths crossing again really soon.
1: Well, thank you, Bob, for having me and all this pleasure to talk to you and hopefully do a little bit of help to your listeners and listeners. God bless you and wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And draw all of us closer to Jesus and Mary.
0: Thanks so much, Father. God bless. That's uh, (laughs) Father Michael Kiernan um, and uh, one of those people, just uh, just a stalwart for the faith. He's also the chaplain for Beale Air Force Base. So uh, a busy, busy man. Uh, that's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Four seven two zero, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700, and you can be confident that fully, 100%, of your contribution will support the Sisters of Ministry of mi- Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. 4-6-0-0. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Held high, such small sacrifice. If not joined with my life, I sing in vain tonight. May the words I say and the things I do make my life song sing. Bring a smile.